Good evening and welcome to the digital campus of Newark United Pentecostal Church. We're glad to have you with us tonight. Let me remind you that on April the 4th, Easter Sunday, we are going to have online communion like we did last year. So if you want to make preparations, buy some stuff for it, uh, this is giving you warning. And uh, so April the 4th, Easter Sunday, communion right here online. We'd be glad to have you join with us. Now, we are studying this week lessons from children in the Bible. You've already heard about the little boy with the lunch and Jesus blessing the children. Tonight, we are going to be traveling to the banks of the Nile in ancient Egypt, somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 3,500 years ago. There are many things that the, the Bible doesn't give us specifics on. Uh, we do not know the name of the Pharaoh who ordered the death of all the Hebrew baby boys or the name of the Pharaoh of the Exodus. There are guesses, suppositions, but the Bible doesn't say. And uh, uh, the who done it is not as important as what was done. And if all of our historical, economic, geographic, and philosophical questions were answered, a single copy of the Bible would take up all of the freight cars on a long train. And it would give skeptics extra ammunition for there would be answers to questions that would make no sense for centuries. God gives us what we need to know. And the rest, we, oh, we just make it up or overlook it or learn from other sources or ignore it. First, for tonight, let's set the scene. Things don't happen in a vacuum. What we face today, for good or ill, is the result of all the yesterdays before it. Israel's family came to Egypt to survive a great famine. And when the famine was over, they didn't go back to Canaan, but they settled to end to abide in the land of the greatest power of the day. Some generations later, a Pharaoh arose who came to the throne who didn't know Joseph and probably didn't know the story of Joseph's contribution to the survival of Egypt. All this Pharaoh saw was a different ethnic group ensconced in their land and his xenophobia or his fear of strangers and strange things triggered a fear of being attacked and overthrown. His fear spawned a, a bigotry which triggered his uh, imagination and ended in the order to kill all the Hebrew boys as infants. 
First, he ordered the midwives to engage in infanticide if the child was male. Uh, but uh, these Hebrew women disobeyed the Pharaoh and spared the sons. Then Pharaoh ordered that all the male babies should be thrown into the Nile. <laughs> well, in a, in a roundabout way, Jochebed, Moses' mother, uh, obeyed Pharaoh. Uh, but first, before she put her son in the river, she put him in a homemade flotation device. Yeah, uh, she was very careful in her placement of this craft, and she placed the waterproofed ark in what the King James Version calls bulrushes and the New Living Translation calls reeds. Now, these plants grew along the edges of the river and would probably restrain the ark from drifting away on the water's flow. Our focus tonight is on the next part of the plan. Jochebed commissioned her daughter, probably Miriam, to watch the ark. We read this story in Exodus chapter number 2, verses 3 through 10, and we'll use the New Living Translation. Uh, but when she could no longer hide him, she'd hid him for three months, but she couldn't do that anymore. When she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. There's that flotation device. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister, and that's how she's noted here, then stood at a distance, and here's what she did. She was watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. Uh, when the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid out to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. Thank the Lord for those maternal instincts. She said, this must be one of the Hebrew children. Then, again, notice the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess said. So the little girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took the, her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Moses means drawn out. Now, notice that in this story, the older sister is never named. We assume that it is Miriam, but the Bible doesn't definitely identify her as such right here. The, there may be kids running around the, the church when we get back together and before we uh, got isolated by COVID, 
that uh, you don't know their names, but that's no indicator that they can't be used of God even at a young age. It's amazing how quickly that children can take in knowledge and, and make good judgments even beyond their physical maturity. A third or fourth grade teacher has to be on her toes. Uh, one of her students may be an expert on, on rocks, while another one can hold forth at length about the creatures of the Triassic, Jurassic, and Cretaceous ages of the Mesozoic time. Yeah, can't you hear that conversation? And uh, another may have a chemistry lab set up in the garage at home. Just because they may not have their multiplication tables all memorized does not mean they are totally ignorant. Though I'm not certain it is correct, I'm, I'm going to call this girl Miriam. And whatever her age at this time, she was in circumstances that can make a child grow up rather quickly. Cruel slave masters can make even the youngest keen of wit and quick to improvise. Miriam was surely an excellent student in this school of hard knocks. While Jochebed had to commit her son to the cruel mercies of the Nile, while she worked, Miriam was able to keep watch over her little brother for however long it took. That shows a remarkable development of responsibility and a robust attention span in a child. She understood that this was not a time to be wool gathering and chasing butterflies. Uh, she well illustrates Lamentations 3 and 27. I'll give it from the King James Version. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Realizing that truth is truth, is no matter what gender it's, it's referenced to, uh, brings us to what Albert Barnes expressed about this verse when he said, by bearing the yoke in his youth, that is, being called upon to suffer in early age, a man learns betimes, which means early, the lessons of silent endurance, and so finds it more easy to be calm and patient in later years. Well, Miriam was pretty calm, or at least seems so, even in her childhood. And here we see a, a foreshadowing of the leading lady that Miriam would become in the Exodus experience. One lesson that Miriam teaches us in this instance is the verity of, of Proverbs 10, 11, this time from the New Living Translation. Even children are known by the way they act, whether their conduct is pure and whether it is right. The ways of small children can cast a long shadow into their future for good or for ill. Miriam did well, very well. When the Egyptian princess discovered Moses 
Miriam sprang into action by approaching her and quickly offering to find a nurse for the child. Here she teaches us that bold action, even across a vast social divide, may pay great rewards. Uh, we may not know exactly the right thing to say, but that's also very probable with many of those people that you're talking with. Miriam may have planned and, and rehearsed this query, this, this suggestion, or it may have been just the first thing to tumble off her tongue. The promise that the Lord would give us words to say may have been in effect long before it was articulated. It's always best to think ahead and be prepared, but in a crisis, do something. Give God something to work with. Uh, another lesson we learned from Miriam is to give people a chance to say yes. Many times we talk ourselves out of even trying because we've already decided that we will meet with rejection. Often we come across people who are facing a quandary and they have no solution and they'll gladly acquiesce to, to a way out if we'll just present it. Even an initial rejection of our proposal might open the door to a further conversation that can lead to a resolution that's taking care of everybody's problems. Lesson of all these stories of children in the Bible bring us to is that God can choose children to accomplish his purposes. To sidetrack children, not only uh, robs them of opportunities to advance the kingdom, but it also robs tomorrow of lessons that could have been learned today to profit us, profit us all at some future crisis time. In the King James Version, Mark 10, 13, and 14 says, And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. He didn't say, let the little children suffer rejection and ignoring. No, it was, allow them to come. And please note that it was his disciples who should have been directing people to him who were driving the children away. Let children do what children can do. It may not be just the children who learn something. Let's pray. Dear God of glory, we come to you tonight asking that you would touch us as you desired to touch those children so long ago. Lord, no matter what our age, we're always your children. Help us to be childlike in our faith, 
in our love and not childish in attitude and action. Help us to open our hearts and our minds to accept the children that today run around our feet, but may one day walk around the walls of evil and their squeals of childish delight turn into shouts of praise that will bring those ramparts down to dust. Help us invest in them, guide them, and be acceptable examples for them to follow. Lord, when we come before you to worship, let us remember and pattern our praise after the model presented Psalms and Matthew that out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, you have perfected praise. Help us praise you like that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us this evening. There are lessons that children can teach us, and they're in the Bible. Join us again tomorrow night. Lord bless you. Good night.